Hey, chiropractors, welcome to Modern Chiropractic Mastery with your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing, business, and professional growth with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode of Modern Chiropractic Mastery. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today I've got a great interview with Dr. Scott Mooring. And he does many things, which we'll outline here in a few minutes, uh, we're, and we're going to dive into uh, clinical research and, and his work with Clinical Compass. Uh, before we dive into his, his bio, just wanted to give a little bit of a, uh, experience I've had recently, and maybe it will help you. I think sometimes you, you know, being in private practice, you think you're the only one uh, that, that uh, has tough uh, months or struggles in the practice, and sometimes you see everybody's highlight reel and you think uh, it's, it's just you. But um, I'm in a position, obviously, where I, I chat with a lot of chiropractors, uh, ones that do very well, and, and even it, it happens to them. And, it, you know, and, it, and it's happened to us, and recently it did, and you know, just share a little bit of a story and, and even give you some, uh, give you a really great resource. But this past weekend, I was at my strategic coach meeting, the 10X Ambition with Dan Sullivan, the the creator of, of Strategic Coach, and it was actually his last session for our group. There's three groups. Uh, this is the middle group where he's always been the only facilitator of the 10X Ambition Workshop. There's this series, which is that first level. And then now he's got something called the, the Free Zone Frontier, which is, it's like a, a very high-level collaborative group. It's about 50000 a year, and he's been... Uh, for the last handful of years, doing both that high level and then the middle level 10x ambition group. Uh, and in that 10x ambition group, I mean, it's some really impressive people. Just to give you an idea, the last two sessions, December and, and this past weekend, uh, I was sitting near and working with uh, pretty consistently a U.S. senator uh, who happens to be an entrepreneur his whole life and, and now is actually one of the 100 U.S. senators. And, you know, he's traveling the world and, and doing all that. So there's types of people like that. That's probably on the, the highest level in our group, but there's people doing just massive things. And it's interesting being in rooms like that, and I, I try to do that as often as I can, and, it, and it's very inspiring. But then occasionally you can it can cause you to um, – be in the gap a little bit, which strategic coach would call, they, they call the, the gap and the gain. Uh, my recommendation for you is to actually buy the book. Uh, they, they wrote a, a, a really good selling book last year called, maybe the year before, uh, The Gap and the Gain. And, and it just talks about being in the gap, which is, is kind of like beating yourself up a little bit, right? And I'm sitting in this on Friday. It's Dan Sullivan's last workshop in this 10X Ambition, which he actually stopped um, teaching a couple months ago. But we were one of the weird groups where back in September of last year, he got COVID. So he had to do it remotely and they threw in our last session with him. So it was a unique experience being in his last one. I'm sitting there, I'm sitting next to, uh, you know, a U.S. Senator, sitting next to other uh, awesome high achieving people. And we've just been having a, a really bad march <laughs> in the private practice. Everything's going great. And, uh, you know, CSA and MCM and all that. Uh, we had a great January and a very good February at our private practice, but March, the first half of it's just been really bad. And it's, it's lining up to be a bad month, you know, and I'm sitting here in the gap on Friday 
know, beat myself up just like we all probably do. And I'm in this awesome experience and, and it kind of was blowing it a little bit for me and it was my own fault. But, um, you know, it just was, was one of those things I wanted to share because it happens to me. It happens to our practice. We go, we, we have, I feel like one or two months a year that are just shitty and sometimes there's no way around it. Just the forces line up to, for it to be a bad month. Uh, but it's, uh, something that you uh, need to prepare for. Obviously you need to, uh, whether it's preparing for it psychologically or, or financially, it's good to have those, uh, those buffers in place. But, um, if you feel you find yourself falling into that gap, uh, where you're just basically, um, you're just kind of beating yourself up, brooding a little bit. Uh, I, I highly recommend having some introspection of it, having some people you can chat with, but definitely pick up the book. The gap in the game really gives you a lot of insights of how to navigate that. And as Dan Sullivan says, is that, uh, you know, he's been working on himself. He's 79 years old for, for many years. And, uh, he, he jokes around, he's like, Oh yeah, I only get in the gap two or three times a day now. Right. And it's just that he gets out of it quicker. Right. And so it's not about not getting in it. It's all, things are going to happen. Uh, but he gets out of it much quicker. And for me, I'm continuing to prove on that. I would say I was in it completely, uh, Friday and Saturday. So it took me two days to get out of it. And I felt really good yesterday on Sunday. Today's Monday. Feel, feel good. Um, but yeah, just wanted to, to kind of share that with you. It's not, not just you, it's, it's everybody. And, uh, being in private practice, uh, you know, we're, it, it's not, it's not easy. Okay. And just respect that and keep on doing the hard work and having some strategies to, to navigate those, uh, challenging weeks or months. Right. All right, cool. So Dr. Scott Mooring, he is a man of many, many uh, jobs in a sense, but uh, he's just doing so many good things. He's got his private practice in St. Paul, Minnesota, has been doing that for years. He's uh, you know the team chiropractor uh, for the University of Minnesota's athletic department. That's that's an awesome gig. And he's got other things he's doing. But on top of that, He's on the board of Clinical Compass, and if you've listened to the podcast or been in our Facebook group a bit, Facebook group of the same name, Modern Chiropractic Marketing, you can join us there. A lot of good stuff goes on in that Facebook group. Um, you know, we've become a monthly donor to Clinical Compass because I truly believe in what they're doing. Uh, Dr. Jay Greenstein was one of the first to kind of clue me on to them. And if you if you've talked if you've heard me or Jay talk about the say evidence-based guidelines of clinical care for treatment and frequency. I've shared that. He shared that. A lot of that comes from the work from Clinical Compass, and they're doing a lot to try to advance the research uh, and, and the evidence. And they have a lot of collaborations, you know, not just with full-time chiropractors like Dr. Mooring, but also with Chiro Congress, ACA, chiropractic colleges, chiropractic attorneys. And so they're doing a lot to advance the profession. And I believe they are uh, doing great things. And I always tell the audience, like, you know, this is the backbone, like clinical is the backbone of all of what we're doing and trying to help chiropractors with at MCM. And then we layer on good marketing and good business and good financials and good communications and, and that type of stuff. But the, the table stakes is great clinical and understanding the type of stuff and research that Clinical Compass is doing goes a long way with that. And so here is my interview with Dr. Scott Mooring. All right. Welcome to the show, Scott. I really appreciate your time. I'm excited to, to dive into clinical compass and research and really how we can apply that to our 
uh, private practices. And before we do that, tell us a little bit about yourself professionally, and then we'll we'll dive into it. Well, thanks, Kevin. Uh, my name is Scott Mooring, and I've recently was named the chair of the, the Clinical Compass. Our old name was the Council on Chiropractic Guidelines and Practice Parameters. You know, a bunch of years ago, we changed that name because it's a it's a mouthful. My wife still laughs about it every time I say it. Um, so recently uh, appointed to be the chair of the Clinical Compass. I've uh, been in private practice for 20 years, uh, most of which here in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, I also work as a team chiropractor for the University of Minnesota. I think this is my going on my 10th year with them. And I do a little bit of teaching at, at Northwestern Health Sciences University as well. I teach a, essentially just a case studies class where I expose the students to real live clinical practice stuff. And, uh, and that pretty much takes up most of my time. And yeah, so that's pretty much most yeah, of what I do lot. for work. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot to take <clears throat> on just uh, the teaching part, but then it's a whole lot to take on as far as being the team chiropractor for, for Minnesota. Um, is there any particular sports you work with there or is it all of them? Uh, well, a little bit of everybody. Uh, I started out working with football almost exclusively and, you know, I got away from that. That's pretty uh, rigorous work. And uh, so I work now mostly with wrestling. So I do, I was a wrestler in college myself and uh, so I wrestle or work with the wrestling team. And shortly after working with football, the women's hockey team recruited me to work with them. And uh, so I've worked with them all these years. And uh, so I do women's hockey, wrestling, and I feel like I turn down more track and field events than I actually go to, but I do some track and field stuff. And uh, and really just about anybody that needs my help. I mean, women's gymnastics, men's basketball, I, I do a little bit of everything just depending on my availability and, and their needs. So, yeah, that's, that's cool. When I was at Florida state university for undergraduate, I, um, I was part of the assistant strength conditioning program as an, as an intern, student intern. And it, they definitely had a, there was like a line of demarcation. There's basically three, it seemed like. One was football, had its own category. And the mm -hmm. next was baseball, which was really big uh, at Florida State. That had its own kind of team of people. And then there was every other sport. And I was on the every other sport <laughs> uh, side of the strength yep. conditioning. We had our own little gym, our own whole, whole nine yards, but we had nothing to do with football, nothing to do with baseball. You know, obviously – in, in different schools that might look a little bit different, obviously hockey where you're at is going to be different than uh, down here in Florida, but uh, some of those programs, I mean, it, it takes quite a bit of um, team around just a football program, right? Yep. Yeah. And that's the same at the U of M. I mean, football's got its own universe. Then there's everybody else. <laughs> yeah. So, so cool. And uh, we're going to dive into kind of mainly your one role here, in addition to obviously being a, a professor, a private practitioner, and um, with the University of Minnesota as far as uh, your, your team sports stuff, but we're going to dive into the clinical compass aspect. How did you get involved with, with them? And, and then once you kind of roll through that information, tell us exactly what clinical compass is. Well, that's a good place to start. Uh, so I actually got exposed to the clinical compass uh, back in 2015 actually probably before that, uh, when I started attending Cairo Congress uh, functions, their their annual meetings. So I was a president of the Minnesota Chiropractic Association. I think I was a vice president when I started going to those, those meetings. And uh, the Clinical Compass always has their annual board meeting. 
within the Cairo Congress um, convention. And I think when I was just about to term off as president of the Minnesota Chiropractic Association, there was an opening for a district director, I think is what I, what I ended up being for the, for clinical compass. And so I started attending those board meetings and I was there for a few years uh, as a district director. And, you know, it's really a great group of people. And I tell this story today, uh, now that I'm the chair of it, uh, you know, that old, that old adage that, if you're the smartest person in the room, you got to find a different room. Yes. And the clinical compass boardroom is the smartest group of people that I've ever interacted with. I mean, they're just, they're talented. They've kind of seen it all. They've done it all. And it's a really impressive group of people that will crank out products quicker than anybody I've ever seen do. And uh, so I kind of got hooked when I started going to those meetings, just listening to people and, and bouncing ideas off of everybody. And then it became a little bit more of, you know, getting behind the mission, you know, trying to help uh, translate the evidence, you know, helping clinicians be better in practice. And, and there's also the notion that if, if you don't create the guidelines, somebody else will. And our profession has, uh, that's a blind spot for us. We don't really have a great deal of guidelines that help to guide our treatment for patients. And, and some of it's because chiropractors are sort of resistant to having somebody tell them what to do. Um, but that's also something about guidelines too, is it's not really telling you what to do. It's telling you, it's helping to guide you through the treatment process and, uh, you know, using benchmarks to, uh, you know, pause or tap the brakes on a patient's condition so that you can redirect the care uh, to help your patients better. And, and so through the years, um, I just got more involved. You know, there's great people on there like Jay Greenstein and Lou Crabelli and Chris Anderson, Dave Paris. I mean, these these guys are a lot of fun to be around. And and uh, and so I just grew within that group and and found myself as the chair. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, that's cool. You know, and Jay was the one to to really kind of connect us uh, on this, mm-hmm. and um, he he's, he's come good at and that. spoke it. Yeah, he's a great connector, and, and him and I are friends now. He's come and spoke to our mastermind group, and one of the things he was able to do was actually provide some of the evidence um, from a you know clinical compass standpoint. Because I I talk to a lot of chiropractors, and they get in the weeds with the evidence in private practice, and like they feel like they might be over treating, but in reality, the evidence is showing that they're under treating. They're afraid to, you know, what should I be doing for this condition and and there really hasn't been um, a lot of good information passed along for from chiropractic school through private practice until obviously uh, the work that you guys are doing with Clinical Compass. And so it, I've actually shared some of the guidelines that Jay originally shared with me on frequency and duration of care, because I'll get some of these chiropractors and like, all right, well, what kind of treatment plans are you providing your patients? And they're like, oh, you know, a couple of visits for this. If they didn't get better in three visits... And you start to tease out, it's like three visits and they've had this for three years, like, and you, and you kind of, sh- and, but then you, they're, they're kind of, unfortunately they're jaded from the, you know, past of, of chiropractic and maybe the other side yep. of the profession that's giving these year long treatment plans for everybody. So they go so yep. far to the other end of the spectrum. And when I show them the research that you all have done, like it opens their eyes, like, Oh, okay. Like, 
I feel better about that. And it's definitely helped um, really get their footing from a clinical decision-making process. And, and, I, and I really commend the work that you guys are doing to, to do that. Well, that's great. And, and you, you hit a, an important point there. I, I see this. I'm also a clinical educator of students. I, I've been a community-based clinic for Northwestern for a long time, 15 years or something. I've had probably close to 75 interns come through my clinic. And, and that's one thing that I really try to impress upon them. Even the class that I teach, uh, you know, three visits is appropriate for somebody, yeah. but, but not everybody. And, and that's sort of the, just like 72 visits may be appropriate for somebody, but not everybody. And, and that's what guidelines are there to help you with is to understand, okay, well, how do we, how do we measure this? Uh, how do we, how do we change the treatment? Uh, are we referring people out to different providers? You know, how are we engaging co-managing with other providers out there? Because we can't be everything to everybody. And, and that's what guidelines are for. Yeah. And I think if the chiropractor that's really trying to sort through this, if they, if they take the time and, you know, put, put themselves in a, okay, I'm, I'm out of school now. Uh, I'm trying to grow a practice. I'm trying to tr grow a patient base. I'm trying to have good patient adherence when I do get new patients in. If they would take the time to, to really start to work through the, the, the research, it will give them the confidence, which will then give them the conviction really to look at that patient and feel good about, yeah, like you need to come in three times a week for the next two weeks. And then we can kind of reevaluate and it might, you know, come down to two times, whatever it may be in that particular patient. But a lot of chiropractors won't even ever recommend three times a week. And I'll, a lot of times I'll play kind of a game with it's like, okay, you know, and, and Scott, you can obviously attest to this. Like if a college athlete gets hurt or a professional athlete gets hurt, I'll ask like, how many times a week do you think they're getting treated for that? Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Every day. Yep. <laughs> and it's like, why are they getting treated? Maybe even day? twice a day. Yeah. And I was like, maybe even twice a day. And it's like, why? Because, because it works. Right. And, right. and, and so then I'll bring it back to reality. Like we're not going to probably have our patients come in every day for twice a day and, and all that, but you get the idea and I'll explain it to them. And it kind of hits a light bulb and it has like, Oh yeah. Like, I'm probably under treating and this condition is dragging out longer than it really needs to. Right. Yep. And you risk chronicity and, and uh, failure to respond. I mean, it's all those things that, that can happen for patients too. So, I mean, you have to treat every patient as an individual yep. and, uh, and not just say, well, I'm only going to give you three visits and that's it. And, yeah. and you're right, you know, to, to go back to what you said earlier, I mean, we're sort of um, living with the, the ghost of our past where everybody gets the same and we don't want to over-treat. And I think that younger practitioners are probably a little more vulnerable and sensitive to that than maybe some of the mid-career providers. But, you know, that's a less than five years in practice with less case management experience. And that's something that I talk about with my class. I teach a challenging cases class. And and that's something that the students lack is is training in case management. You know, how do you manage a case? And, you know, they should be getting some of that when they're doing their internships, uh, but that doesn't always happen in a meaningful way for them either. They just basically yep. follow what the doctor that they're working with says and not really critically thinking themselves. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's why, like, one of the things I love about your Clinical Compass website uh, for members is that 
you know, you get your whole login and all that, and there's an evidence <laughs> center, which is which is really neat. Can you um, speak to that a little bit and what the process is of of going through and something starting that you work on and get the research going to completion and publication? So yeah, our evidence center is actually a, a basically a warehouse of information, and Dr. Cheryl Hawk is our scientific commission chair. Uh, she's out of Texas Chiropractic College. And I mean, she cranks out research. Uh, she's the primary author on much of our, the research that we, that we publish through the clinical compass. And, but twice a year, she will go through the evidence center and we have 17 different categories that she updates. And she does that twice a year. She does a literature review on all of it. And then she summarizes the literature, puts it into the evidence center and, it makes it available to to people who uh, are basically able to get beyond the paywall, essentially. Yeah. And that's state associations. So we have, I think that uh, I'm going to forget, and I didn't grab my notes on this, but I think we have 14 states in the country that are currently members of the Clinical Compass. We have a couple of states that just haven't renewed. You know, COVID is still affecting all of us. And, uh, but each of those states, uh, every member in those states has access to the evidence center through their state association membership. Mm-hmm. And, and they can go behind the paywall and look up a particular topic. So I'll just rattle a couple off. We've got one on upper extremity, soft tissue, safety and adverse events. Uh, we have a whole category on opioids. We have a pediatrics one, pregnancy and labor, you know, all these different categories that people can go and just look up the, the most current research. And I think these go back to 2017 uh, so far. It's actually one of the one of my jobs as the chair of the compass right now is to uh, go through and try to index these a little bit better so that it's a little easier for people to navigate through our website because it's 2022 and we have the same label for 2021 and 2020 and 2019 and, and so on. And I, I would prefer to have it just here's all the stuff on pregnancy and labor and just yep. from today to whenever. Um, but those are some of the things that we're working on just to kind of streamline the back end of our website so that people have uh, a little easier time navigating around. Yeah, no, <laughs> it's good. Um, because, you know, it's a lot of chiropractic, and I'm, I, I love seminars and I've gone to so many over the years and a lot of chiropractors will go to all these different certifications and seminars, which, which is great. But then they won't take the time to to really grab stuff like this they have access to and kind of self-teach to realize like, yeah, okay, this we got a whole thing on here on upper extremity that we can tackle and understand really what the evidence is out there for it. And um, that's pretty cool, you know, because I I, sort of, I remember I, I didn't hear about clinical compass until probably maybe 18 months ago from Jay, like I mentioned, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a great idea. And it was something I thought of a few years ago in a sense of like, there needs to be a place where, you know, evidence-informed chiropractors can go to and look something up if they have questions about the research on a particular thing. And and, and here we go. It's it's right here. So it's uh, pretty yep. cool what you're doing. Yeah. And uh, so that's constantly being updated. So twice a year in January, and I think June, july uh cheryl does that and so it's a good resource for information we did just add one in i think either last year or the year before on dry needling Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's one of the things that 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 this group also does as i mentioned like there's a bunch of 
really intelligent people working with this group. And the state of Alabama had a little bit of an issue with a payer denying coverage for dry needling. And uh, they made a donation to the clinical compass to do some uh, research on their behalf about dry needling. So we did a scoping review and we didn't publish anything about it, but we did a, a pretty thorough review of the literature about dry needling and various conditions uh, just to support the use of dry needling in clinical practice. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not sure that it really changed the policy, but that's also an area that, that we work in is helping states with policy related issues. Yeah. So Flo Florida also had one not too long ago with, and I think it's still ongoing, the HEDIS uh, problem there, uh, the FCA who also funds this evidence center, the Florida Chiropractic Association, they give us a pretty good chunk of money to help keep this thing going. And, and, uh, but they reached out to us about an issue that they were having. I think it was with Blue Cross Blue Shield. And mm -hmm. uh, so some of the, the people on the clinical campus got together and we're, we're trying to support them in, in whatever way we could. And I think that there are still some negotiations, negotiations happening, but, but I think the outcome will be favorable on that end. Yeah. That's great. And it's, it's good to see other organizations contributing and doing all that. All right, docs, here is a new opportunity for you from Darcy Sullivan of Propel. She is our SEO specialist in helping out many chiropractors uh, with their search engine optimization and making sure Google is finding you and getting you new patients. It's amazing how many new patients chiropractors can get and are getting when they do uh, the SEO right and a few other things. And Darcy is offering a free SEO workshop just for chiropractors. And you can sign up for that at bit.ly bit.ly slash propel mcm that is bit.ly bit.ly propel mcm modern chiropractic marketing right and so check out that link and we're going to have you go over five seo secrets to owning the first page of google uh, without buying ads and darcy's going to give that free workshop one hour to really help grow your practice and start churning new patients from the ever mighty Google, which is still king in the online marketing. So check that out at bit.ly slash propel MCM for the one hour free workshop. Now, I know you were recently at um, ACA Engage. Were you representing Clinical Compass on that or was that just on your own volition? Uh, nope, I uh, was, I'm the Minnesota state affiliate representative. Mm-hmm. So Minnesota is a state affiliate with the ACA and I'm the Minnesota representative. I was the alternate delegate for a little while. I was a delegate for a while and now I'm the ACA state affiliate rep. Uh, so I was there on behalf of the Minnesota Chiropractic Association. And I think this is my seventh engage that I've been to uh, over the years. And I mean, it was, we haven't been in person for since pre-pandemic, so it's good just to get together with everybody and Capitol Hill literally just opened up maybe the week before we got there. Uh, we were really early on and, uh, you know, we're still pushing the Medicare modernization legislation. And I mean, the good thing for us is Minnesota, we've done a lot of work. Our delegate, Jody Dorpinghouse and alternate delegate, Andrea Oman, they're fantastic at uh, reaching out to legislators and keeping them engaged. Michelle Myers is also here. Uh, she's uh, the immediate past president of the ACA. Uh, so we all work pretty well together just to get our legislators and representatives on board with this. Uh, we had six out of eight of our reps on the bill as co-sponsors. 
and one of our representatives passed away during the last legislative cycle. So he obviously mm-hmm. wasn't on there. Um, but the, his successor seems to be on board with it too. So, so we had a very successful time in Washington, DC, and it was just great to be around everybody again. And, and, uh, so that's, it's good. That's good. Hopefully we're making some progress with Medicare, right? I undoubtedly we are making progress. There's no doubt. Yeah. So that's cool. That's cool. Thanks just, for your work just, on that for sure. Oh yeah. We just can't take our foot off the gas. No, absolutely not. Uh, all right, cool. So what are some of the exciting new research that clinical compass is really starting to, um, either dive into or wrap up uh, before publication? Uh, what, what are some of those? Well, so a couple things. Uh, the the main priority for us right now is we are in the relatively early stages of a cost effectiveness study. Uh, so we do our our goal every year is to is to publish one significant paper per year, and this year's paper is going to be on a cost effectiveness uh, study. They're they're still in the literature review process. Uh, I think they had something around twenty. 100 articles to sort through the steering committee has been working on that and so that's the primary objective for uh, the work that we're currently doing Uh, there's a couple of loose ends that we've been working with too cheryl hawk has been helping australia with the paper on pediatrics Mm -hmm. which is you know we're sort of peripherally involved in that and you know one of the the first things that the clinical compass published was the first guideline on the treatment of low back pain. And one thing that I've learned being part of this group is that that needs to be updated every five years. Mm -hmm. And so this is the third round of that. And, and that right now is sort of uh, stuck in editorial, the editorial review process. So it's been submitted to JMPT. There's been a bunch of back and forth and uh, we expect that to be published sometime this year, I would say next month, but that's not really the way research works. It moves at its own pace. And uh, (laughs) uh, so we're, we're still uh, in the midst of that. It's just an update on the, uh, the previous uh, low back pain treatment guideline. And so those are some of the main things that we're working on. At our meeting in St. Louis back in November, we talked about sort of future planning stuff. And, you know, a couple of topics bubbled to the surface there. One is on headaches. So doing a a clinical practice guideline on treatment of headaches. We, We are aware that there are other groups out there that have some publications and that's one thing that we're, we've always been very sensitive to. So we're a fundraiser driven organization and investing resources in work that's already either in process or has enough evidence on. We're a little leery about jumping into those things because we have limited resources. Uh, so we may not do the headache initially. There's been a lot of discussion about doing an, uh, a paper on extremities. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that we really differentiated between upper or lower, uh, it wouldn't be condition specific, but just like upper extremity conditions and doing some clinical practice guideline uh, work on that. And, and as I was mentioning to you earlier, before we uh, got on the, uh, I'm a sports chiropractor. So uh, there's been some discussion about trying to create a white paper on the chiropractic management of concussions. So, so there's a few things that we're looking at there. Uh, some goals that I have as the chair uh, would also revolve around trying to create a terminology paper 
we did publish one of those about 12 years ago, I think was the last one that we published. And uh, so there's, there's some interest in that from me at least. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be great. Those are all interesting topics and, you know, imp information that chiropractors need to know to, to know yep. that they're doing things the right way and, and being able to look that patient in the eye and say, look, this is what the guidelines are. And then, you know, I like how you, you guys have it all written out on your, you know, creating the clinical compass. It's the evidence, education, and an empowerment. And I, I kind of like that. And, and it's not only empowering, say the chiropractor, but also the patient. And to do that, you really have to have the, the evidence and you have to be educated on the evidence. And, and that's what you all are doing. And, you know, from my perspective, someone that has always been an evidence informed chiropractor and private practice since 2005, and then switch gears in, in my career to, to try to help chiropractors out, whether it's through marketing or business, or even just sometimes connecting the dots clinically and communication, what you all are doing really is something that I really was happy to find because now I can like, you know, coach a chiropractor and talk to them about things and they can be assured we're not trying to put lipstick on a pig here and just say, Hey, you know, you got to get your numbers up. You got to start doing this, that, and the other thing and, and put them in a box. Instead, yep. it's like, we use this type of information as our foundation. And then once you feel good about knowing that information that you all are, are providing, then you can build a thriving practice on top of that and sleep well at night and get phenomenal results for your patients. I mean, it's pretty easy to build a practice when you're, when you're doing things the right way. And, yeah, and you, you and, get to sell yourself on it, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Those are really important aspects of clinical practice is, uh, you know, you do good work for people and I mean, everything else kind of just falls into place. Yep. Yep. It does. And so many, so. unfortunately, so many chiropractors, they don't have that conviction because it's, everything's kind of wishy-washy in their head about, you know, should I really see this patient? twice a week for four weeks, or should I continue care with this patient, even though they've you know, chronic condition for years and they, and they don't have the, 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 the real crystallization of the information in their head to feel confident about that. And, and it comes across to that patient as well. And they're like, Oh, the doctor doesn't seem so confident in what they're trying to prescribe me as far as a care plan. Yep. Yeah. And it's repetition too. And, and uh, you know, being able to, to understand that every case is unique and, and get that across to patients that, uh, you know, this is a trial treatment, for instance, you know, we're going to do a trial treatment first and, and uh, if things make sense to move forward from there, we'll do that. And we'll talk yeah. about that once we get to that next phase. And, and I think that's, that comes with experience in clinical practice. I mean, I talk about that with my interns all the time as well as, as, uh, you know, you don't necessarily need to start extrapolating out the treatment plan six months from now. We're just talking mm -hmm. about the first few weeks and then we'll go to the next few weeks. And, and that's how a real evidence informed practice should operate and function. Well, that's great. You know, I, I really appreciate your efforts and, and your time and all this, and I'm glad we're able to have you on. And uh, I know you <laughs> mentioned you are a fundraising based organization. And so if they wanted to find out, you know, more on what, you, you know, what you're doing, the evidence center, uh, being a, you know, a member of that or, or even donating, how could they find you? So our website, clinicalcompass.org is uh, how you can 
get logged into our website. Uh, there are a few different ways that people can uh, can have access to the evidence center. I mentioned before state associations, you know, if you're a member of your state association, which we're big advocates of that, you know, we, we really, there are strength in numbers and, and for the most part that starts with organizations like the ACA and your state association. And, and to get in, if, if your state is a, a member of the clinical compass, then they will give you a code to get in there. There's a whole tab on your state association members. Uh, if that's not the case for your state and you can't encourage them to, to make a donation to us, we do have a couple of different levels. Uh, so we just have the standard $5 per month or 60 bucks a year that gets you access to the evidence center. And then of course it goes up from there. Um, that's one thing that uh, I think as our organization has been around long enough and, and people are uh, a little more aware of us. I mean, it's great to hear you've known about us for about 18 months. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people out there that don't know about the clinical compass. And when they hear about it, they're like, Oh, that sounds like a pretty interesting organization. How long has that been around? Well, since about 1994. <laughs> and so it's been around a long time. Yep. And, and that's one of the things that uh, I think Lou always says that we're the best kept secret in the profession. Um, but we need more awareness and, you know, being on podcasts is a great way to elevate the awareness. And, and I really appreciate you having me on here uh, just for that aspect alone. Uh, not to mention the fact that you have become a recent donor to us. So we really appreciate that. That uh, that's been very helpful. And uh, you know, we'll be able to do some good work with the, with the revenue that we're getting from you, especially. So, so I appreciate that. Um, so, but that's a, that's essentially how you can do that. Like I say, there's three different levels here. We've got a five bucks a month, $35 a month, and then $84 a month. Um, and one of the things that I also want to do as the chair of this, this board is to find some value in those higher donation levels. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of them is we just, one of these, uh, people on our, uh, one of the members of the board here just wrote up an article, on the use of clinical practice guidelines. And uh, so as part of our awareness goal, uh, we wanna actually get out into the community and start giving presentations about these things, uh, not just about the publications that we have, but also about how to use clinical practice guidelines, how to use those in practice, how do you translate that evidence that we see in research uh, into your clinical practice and help, help your patients benefit from that. And so we'll, uh, that's one of my goals for this year is to figure out a, a game plan to get the message out and get, get some presenters out at different conferences, whether it's state associations or, uh, or Parker or chiropractic university homecomings, all those places, uh, just so that we can get the message out and, and raise the awareness of our group Perfect. and the importance and of it. Yeah. Hopefully this, this episode helps a little bit. I think, um, one of the take-homes for our audience as well is to just really start to grasp how to integrate the the research with your, you know, obviously your case management, like you said, and have that confidence when you're, you know, building a, a treatment plan for a patient. Yep, absolutely. So well, that's, that's, that's absolutely a, a key thing for us. Perfect. I really appreciate your time today and excited you to um, collaborate more with Clinical Compass and try to get the word out there uh, and, and, and all the good things you're doing for the pr profession. So I thank you. Thank you also for having us on. I appreciate it. 
I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. And if you want to make the shift from busy, broke, and broken to time-free and cash-confident, or you just want to continue with the exponential growth, check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com. Look at the MCM Mastery tab, watch the short video on there, and check out what we are doing now for evidence-informed chiropractors. We are equal parts coaching and marketing done for you. Yes, you shoot some videos. We help you with campaign strategies and ideas and really become a thought leader in your community. You shoot those videos. You send them to us. We produce, edit, and brand them to you. Then we distribute them through all of your channels. We also take them and we turn it into one good blog per month. And every other month, we have Darcy Sullivan producing a robust blog with a topic that you pick from her database to help with your SEO. So we essentially become your content marketing agency to make sure your practice is always having ethical, elegant content marketing to help grow your practice. On the coaching side, we also help you with everything from marketing ideas to business, communications, finances, anything practice growth and really try to help prevent you from being stuck on that island. And we hold you accountable. We have a great group of doctors that are just doing amazing things. And we look forward to help you out to take that next step in your practice. So again, check us out at modernchiropracticmarketing.com and learn more.